If you would, let's go to God in prayer. Oh, good and loving God, we come to you this morning as a gathered group of people, your people here. God, we carry with us, each and every one of us have our own uh, burdens and our own life that we are uh, carrying with us in this space. I just pray for just a few minutes that we're able to set it down and to open up our ears and our eyes and our hearts to receive the words that you would have us to hear today. And so I ask, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Amen. Well, something that I do each and every week to prepare for Sunday is I imagine standing right here, and I imagine looking out across the, the room, and I can picture your faces. Many of you come here each and every week, and so I try to picture where you sit and what your life might have been like, what maybe you have posted on face, uh, social media, on Facebook or Instagram. Pray for some of you deeply. Just kidding. Um, no, I just try to get a glimpse of what's going on in our congregation and in our community. And then I think about the people that God is going to bring to us for the very first time. And then we have people in this room today who are here for the very first time. And I don't take it for granted what a gift it is that you are sitting here today. It's a huge responsibility to stand before you and bring to you what I believe God has put on my heart for such a time as this. And so as we do this uh, in uh, week in and week out, it, um, you, sometimes you wonder, okay, am I doing the right thing? Is it sticking? Is it the right word that needs to be shared? So one thing that kind of was coming into my head uh, this week and in my heart as I was, I was away at a conference was this idea of exhaustion. And I believe that um, each one of you, when you come into here on Sunday morning, you have expectations, just like I do. When we prepare for this space, we, we, um, we have a hospitality team that comes together to make sure there's delicious coffee ready for you. Sometimes there's goodies. We have a music team that rehearses and, and, and plays music. You come in, there's a bulletin printed. We want to make sure that there's a nursery if you've got young ones, kids ministry. We do all this work so that you can come sit here and hear a life-changing message from the pastor. Just kidding. Um, but the hope is that you're here and ready to, to receive the word and then to go out and act on it and, and, and all of that, uh, you know, and to respond, right, to what we hear and what we experience on Sunday mornings. Um, I think we come in here to have our heart stimulated. But I'm not going to fool myself in thinking that that sticks with you all week because I think many of us, now there are some people in this room who are retired, um, this, this might not apply to you, but for the majority of the people in this room, you wake up Monday morning and you enter into an exhausted pace. Whatever it is, whatever your life, your morning routine is, Monday, uh, Monday through Saturday, you are going. And if you are going to a place of business, you are in a, uh, a competition mode. You're in a, an achievement mode. You're, you're showing up to work. You're trying to do your best, maybe to get a promotion, maybe to be recognized, maybe to achieve and accomplish. If you're a student, you're going to school. You're trying to get good grades, maybe uh, do your best at a wrestling tournament to, to place and do great. But whatever it is, our brains get stimulated with achievement and the need to be recognized and to, uh, to attain more. 
Am I right? Right? So this is kind of the world, the pace that we live in. And so Monday through Saturday, our brains are stimulated. And on, Mon- on, on Sunday, I pray that our heart is stimulated. There was a research, uh, research shows that um, they, they did a study on people who, um, uh, test, test subjects, and they looked at the neuropathways in the brain, and they can see like areas that light up based on different activities. And so the area of the brain that lights up when we are in competition mode, when we are looking to achieve something for the end result is money or uh, a status or achievement, this part of the brain lights up. It is the same part of the brain that lights up when we use cocaine. And so if you can imagine living in a pace where we wake up Monday morning through Saturday where we are striving to achieve and to go and to grow and do all of these things, our brain is what? It becomes addicted to this. It's the same thing as, with, as if we were on a, on a drug, and we don't even realize it's happening. So we just get caught up in this. And I don't know about you, but it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And so while we have these great ideas for Sunday morning that you're going to come in and, and sit here and get all this great input and then go and, like, make a change, some of you really just want to come in, have a really good cup of coffee, and just chill for a minute. Right? You want to come in, you want to sit, you want to be with friends, you want to learn, but some of us, we just need a minute to breathe. Because the world tells us that that's not how we're supposed to do things. Well, I was at a conference this week, and uh, I am <laughs> with you. If we think that that kind of pace is only reserved for the secular world or the marketplace, we are kidding ourselves. Because I went to a church planters conference. It's called Exponential, and the title of it was uh, Hero Maker. It was about disciples making disciples. Church planters are a, a, a rare breed of people. Um, they are very uh, energetic, lots of achievers, alpha, uh, excited, big ideas, um, and if you know me, I really like big ideas. And I am, like, overachiever, like, let's go, let's do this, let's do this. And if you're not careful when you're in that setting, um, you can get caught up in the comparison game. People will ask you, well, how big's your church? How big's your youth group? How much have you grown? I mean, this is a real thing, and you have to catch yourself feeling inadequate. Or huh, feeling better than the next person. Like, woo, my church is better than your church. Which, by the way, I thought often. <laughs> well, I'm just being, I'm being honest here. Um, it, it, it's hard. I mean, I'm so proud of you. I just, like, I'm like ah, I just want to tell everyone. But if you're not careful, we begin to think that that's because of our efforts. It has nothing to do with that. I mean, we are called to love and to serve, but it is God who produces that fruit, right? I mean, this glory, everything we do here is not for me, it is not for you, it is for the glory of God. And unless we think that is for us, then we are in trouble. But everything we do needs to point to God, right? So I come to this conference, and I found myself um, really energized and excited, but then I'd have to tame it, like, simmer down, Amber, simmer down, let's think about what we're doing. And... Uh, and so anyway, I get, I get to the end. No, I'm not going to take up the time to tell you about getting to the conference. 
um, I made the mistake of basing a basic of booking a basic economy airfare ticket. And if you've ever bought a basic economy ticket, don't do it. <laughs> Pay the extra fifty bucks and get a like normal ticket because basic economy basically means you are like not second-class citizen, but like third, fourth class. Like if, if they could tie you to the wing of the plane, they would. You basically are just a new, new, a new nuisance. What the heck? Um, but anyway, long story short, a six-hour trip ended up taking 24 hours. And so I entered into this conference in an ex exhausted state of mind. I mean, I... Um, I wasn't planning on talking about that. Just know it was a nightmare. And, um, but we got there, and I was just like, it was just nonstop around all these people, and your brain is stimulated. And so I'm in full-on brain, like, mode addictive. Like, this is awesome. Give me more, give me more, give me more. And so then I leave the conference, and I go to see my Mima. Now, my Mima is my last living grandparent. She's 88 years old, and she just gave up her car keys. And so I just was feeling really heavy for her, and I changed my flight at the last minute and um, ended up surprising her and staying with her. And so it was interesting for me that I was at this conference that talked about making dis disciples making disciples and achieving and working and doing all of these things and getting caught up in the, in, in the craziness of it. And then I go and sit with my Mima, who is one of the most faithful disciples I have ever met. And you know, she is faithful in prayer. She is faithful in service. Until she gave up her keys, she was driving the old people around <laughs> at her church. She's generous with her finances. I sit with my Mima, and I just think this is what it's about. This is what makes Jesus smile, right? At the end of our days where we can be faithful in prayer, for the next generation. And it was such a stark contrast for what I had just been at. I mean, it was just like, it went from crazy to quiet, and it was unbelievable. Exhaustion, uh, James Bryant Smith says, is the um, number one enemy to spiritual formation. Exhaustion makes it almost impossible for us to truly disciple in, in the ways of Jesus. And I'm going to say more about that here in just a minute. But I wanted to be open with you and transparent in the fact that I know you come here um, with all of the things that you are carrying with you, and I come here right next to you. I am with you. I, I have the same uh, need to sit at the feet of Jesus every single day of my life. And I fail at it all the time. And get caught up, even in the good stuff, even when it doesn't, it's not sin, but it can be if we put idolatry of, of other things over really what it's all about. And our lives should mirror that of Jesus. It's what we're all about. And so I wanted to take a minute and acknowledge that, but then look at what does it mean to truly disciple. And we've been looking at the book of Mark, and we, um, if you've been following along, um, and I have absolutely loved studying this. So, Mark, we started out looking at the main characters in the story. The main focus is Jesus. And it start, we started with um, Jesus getting his, uh, his, uh, with his baptism, and authority is, is revealed in Jesus. 
and that we can participate in his baptism and his new life. And then we saw his authority over the wind and the waves and over demons. And he has the power to heal and do miracles. But I wanted to spend a minute to look at the disciples in this story. Now, if you've been reading Mark, um, the disciples are, I really love the way that Mark portrays the disciples. It's it's funny. Um, it's, it's a very much, they just don't get it. They don't get it. But I wanted to look at for just a minute, Jesus called the disciples and then he equips his disciples. He teaches them. He gives them authority and he sends them out. Um, I wanted to pick up just for a minute in Mark six. And, um, I don't have, I don't have it up there. If you brought your Bibles with you, um, so we had, um, yeah, okay. So he, Jesus has called the disciples. He sends out the 12 disciples to go and to teach, right? And he tells them, don't take anything. I'll give you what you need. Go take everything. Don't, don't take anything. Go preach, heal, anoint, and come back. So Jesus comes back, and it says this. It says that, sorry. Oh, there it is. Um, They gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Think about this. They were exhausted. They They were called to go. Jesus sends them out to go and do more of his work, to preach the good news. And they come back and they're what? They're tired. They're exhausted. What does Jesus say to do? Rest, right? He acknowledges their need for rest, their physical need. You're tired, you're exhausted, get some rest, get some sleep, go to a solitary place. And then if you read on after that, they get to come back and participate in some really cool stuff after they rest and refresh but what does it mean to disciple? I mean, we're looking at, looking at what the disciples are doing, but as we read the story of Mark, we have to place ourselves in the story, right? Because the Bible was written for the Mark wrote it for a specific audience, but it was written for us too. Like, the words in here are for us. So if we are disciples, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, what does it mean for us to disciple Jesus? So we're going to look at that here. Mark 8:34 and I put these up on the I put this up on the screen if you would like to follow along. Um he says what discipleship is going to look like. He says uh, he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, "Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world?" yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. The cross, take up your cross and follow me. I think we've got, we're carrying that cross of exhaustion the cross of competition, of achievement, of the need to one-up, 
the cross of caring what the world thinks rather than what God thinks. He says, what good is it for a man, a woman, a person to, to gain the whole world? What good is it just to stimulate your brain that Monday through Saturday, making money, achieving more, making your home Pinterest perfect? I like Pinterest. Don't get me wrong. Um, get that promotion. Have a nicer car, a nicer uh, family. Make your kids look perfect. Get into the right school. What, what good is it to gain all of that and yet forfeit your soul? You neglect the most important part of your life. That's where that heart is stimulated. It can't just sustain us on Sundays. See, and, and this is in, Jesus gives the invitation here. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple. See, he doesn't follow it. So discipleship is an option. We get to choose. But if we say that we love Jesus and you are his disciple, he's not forcing you. You get to choose this. Remind, I'm reminding you of this then we have to obey God. Obedience is not an option. We don't get to choose that. We can choose to love God or not, but if we choose to love God, he says, if you love me, it's not an option. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, obey my commands. Keep my commands. It's simple. Jesus had a lot to say to his disciples. Um, Sermon on the Mount's beautiful. I mean, he has just really had a lot of rich, rich, teaching. But what did Jesus boil it down to? Obey my commands. What did he boil it down to? Best commands. Top. We made it in the top two. Love God and love your neighbor. Love your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you love me, obey me. But if you love me, obey me. Love is shown. It's not just something we say. It's something we do. Okay, so I have a, a, an illustration. I think maybe we can um, help with this a little bit. So um, let's just say I go. I ask Mia to go and clean her bedroom. It's like ten o'clock in the morning. I say, Mia, I need you to go clean your bedroom. We've got people coming over tonight. Get your room cleaned. So I go do my own thing. I come back four hours later, and guess what? Her room's not clean. I say, Mia, you didn't clean your room. She says, well, Mom, actually, I, um, I got to thinking about that. And um, I did a little research on what it means to clean. Okay, that better? Okay, so I said, Mia, clean your room, and she's like, I got to thinking about it, so I did a little study on what it means to clean your room. I mean, what do you really mean by clean? So let's look into it, and I said, okay, and she said, and then I did a, a deeper word study. I looked at the Greek and the Hebrew of, of clean and room and how that actually applies to me today, and, and uh, it was really interesting information, and I, I actually got down, I wrote a five-page paper on it, 
And it's, it's really impressive. And I really think you're going to want to hear what I have to say about cleaning my room. In fact, I hear that there's a major that I can, I can take some electives now and I can get really good at teaching other people how to clean their room. It's going to be really awesome. And you're going to be so proud of what I can teach others. It's going to, it's going to be great. And I, I look at her and I say, Hey Mia, clean your room. Your room's a mess. What are you doing? Clean your room. What would it take for it to look like for us? Jesus says, if you love me, obey me, show me, love me, spend time with me, get to know me, love the people I put in your life. Don't just talk about it. Don't just come on Sunday and sit here and hear a great word and then say, yeah, that was great, and then go back and don't stimulate your heart all week. And I know, I know if we're anything alike, and I think we are, it, it, sometimes it feels a little overwhelming adding one more thing, one more thing to do. I am so tired, and I am so exhausted. But let's just try to model just a little bit here. Let's start with three things. These disciples went, Jesus called them and sent them, and they did what the Lord called them to do, and they came back, and they did what? They rested. So why don't you get some sleep? Seriously, get some sleep. Rest. Rest your body. You've got permission to do that. Make it a priority. Read. Read your Bible. We have these uh, reading plans we've been putting together for Mark. It really set your alarm on your phone for five minutes every morning you wake up. And just read the book of Mark. I sat by the pool in, in Florida. That's right. One hour. I had one hour. And um, I read the whole book. Just the whole book of Mark in one hour. So think about it. Follow along. Five minutes. You got five minutes. Start your day with stimulating your heart and pray. Say, God, use me. Speak to me. Live in me and through me and around me. Show me who you are and where you are. And if, we, if, if Mia would pick up her room a little bit each and every day, then when I say clean your room, it wouldn't be such a big deal, right? It wouldn't be such a mess. I think that's how it is with us. If we start with a little bit each and every day, when God says, love me, obey my commands, you go, I'm already, I'm on my way. I got this. I got this. Uh, Dallas Willard says, if you, uh, if you start to do the things that Jesus asks you to do, little by little, you'll start to see what a big deal Jesus is. And it's that active pursuit of following Jesus, the discipline of being the disciple, of faithful obedience, little by little, each and every day, that will propel you into a lifelong service in his kingdom. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this day, and we thank you for the model that you set for us. We thank you for what Jesus did for us when he came to live on this earth, to walk among us, to show us what it is like to follow you, to fall in love with you, to walk in your ways. I thank you for the opportunity to be in community with people who we can go through life together, admit that when we get it wrong and fail, 
that we can be there to lift one another up and, and uh, as we struggle to figure it all out. I thank you for each and every person in this room and the gift of their friendship and their love. I ask that you be with us as we go about our, our days, trying our best to be your disciple, training to be your disciples. We thank you for your love and your goodness and your grace in our lives. Amen.